Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. Welcome all of our guests. Thank you for joining us here today. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here on staff and honored and privileged to continue our teaching series as we go through the gospel of Mark. So thanks for being here. For the church family, you may already be observing that my continence is a little bit different here this morning. Uh, It has been a tough week. (laughs) Anybody else have a tough week? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And so I'm reminded of Psalm 42, verse 11. It says, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? And I think maybe for a few of us here today, maybe that's kind of how we feel. But what I love about this psalm is that's not how it ends, Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior, my God. And so uh, you're going to get as authentic Brandon as you can possibly get here today. (laughs) And, um, you know, some of you have complimented me, and I appreciate the compliments. Um, You know, I try to not take them to heart or allow any kind of pride to creep in. Uh, but one of the things that I've been told is I just really appreciate your authenticity and like you're going to get it here today. And uh, I've only gone through this message once and that was because it was the first service and you're the second service. Now I know what I'm going to cover here today, but I'm just, I'm just a transparent dude who had a tough week and as Holy Spirit prompts, I'll share parts of that as it pertains to the the text that we're in today. But before we get into that, last week, um, Pastor Josh took us through Mark chapter four, and he was talking about the parable of the sower, and he, man, he did a a wonderful job with that. Uh, But there's another story that I just want to allude to, and it's towards the end of chapter four, actually, it's kind of in the middle, and um, no, it is the very end, sorry. In my Bible, it's titled, Wind and Waves Obey Jesus. And the, the disciples and Jesus are traveling across the Sea of Galilee, and we're going to talk about where they landed. Uh, but there's this crazy storm, and the disciples were fearful. And Jesus, uh, he was taking a nap in the boat. And with the kind of week I had, I've taken a few of those naps in the middle of the storm. So... Maybe you need to take a nap in the middle of your storm because Jesus did that and I think we can be like Jesus. And and maybe that's all you need to hear today is the pastor said I can go home and take a nap. Uh, So, um, you know, I love being able to teach the word of God. I love immersing myself in this. I love immersing myself into commentaries and dictionaries and the linguistics and maps and and all of that, and um, I did very little of that this week. And I'm just trusting Holy Spirit will use something here today to speak to you. And I've got a few ideas that are going through my mind about what to share, uh, but I'm totally open to if Holy Spirit changes the direction in all of that. And I think the Lord affirmed that after first service because Uh, A few different people mentioned different parts of the message about how God was using that in in their life. And so 
I receive that as confirmation of Holy Spirit taking over on that. And so um, as we dive into this crazy story in, in Mark 5, and if you look at Mark 5 as a whole, um, there's basically two stories in this chapter, and we're just going to look at the first one, but I really love the second one as well, and I would encourage you to read this whole chapter multiple times this week. And in fact, um, many of you have picked up those journals uh, from the cafe. If you haven't done that, I want to encourage you. I think they're only like seven bucks. But like it has the Bible on one half and it's a journal. Like you can write down notes and things and it's not too late. We're only going into Mark 5 and we still have the rest of the gospel to go. So I'd encourage you to pick up um, some of those before you leave. So uh, today, you know, for the the regulars, the Radiant Life family, um, this isn't going to be as polished as it normally is when I come to you on a Sunday. And you know what? I don't care. I'm perfectly okay with that because I know God's going to take over. Amen? All right. So verse one, chapter five. They came to the other side of the sea to the region of the Gernesees. All right. So let's stop there. I did grab a couple of maps here just to kind of give you perspective because I'm a visual learner. So this is the Sea of Galilee and they're traveling from the west side of the Sea of Galilee over to the east side uh, of the Sea of Galilee. Now here's a different map that the different colors represent different political powers and cultures. Now where they're heading is to the green area, which is the Decapolis. In fact, we'll get to that verse where it mentions the Decapolis, but I'm gonna zoom in right here. Decapolis is not a city. In fact, it deca, which means 10. So it's a collection of 10 different communities. Now, some of the scholars is diving into this. They were kind of wrestling with the exact location of where this event took place that we're about to read. I've got some educated guesses. I've got an opinion on it, but it's not a hill that I'm going to die on. But what's really important for us to know is that this is a Gentile region, meaning it's non-Jewish. We're going to read about pigs. Well, the fact that there's pigs in this area, that's an unclean animal in the Jewish eyes. And so that's a massive indicator. But these 10 cities, they were uh, under the influence of Rome. Rome was in charge of the world at that time. And so the, the, the Greek god and goddesses that they worshiped all of that influenced all of this area. And so that's really kind of the point that I want you to understand is, I mean, let's just pause for a second. The, the disciples were freaked out about how Jesus calmed the, the sea and the waves. Like we see their, their interaction back on uh, chapter four, verse, uh, verse 40. Then he said to them, why are you afraid? <laughs> like, they were freaked out by this storm and now they're heading to this Gentile region. So if they weren't already freaked out, they're probably gonna get freaked out a lot more. And this story's crazy. Some of you have already read ahead of me already and you already know what's gonna happen. This is, like, this is definitely cray cray. All right, verse two. As soon as we got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. 
No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with the stones. Julie, I think I had a couple of pictures of like some tombs. If you could just, yeah. So I'm a visual learner. I wanted to show you of kind of like, it's this rocky area. Like the tombs were carved into the side of hill faces. And this this guy who's tormented uh, by these demons is isolated from his own community. In fact, um, here's some shackles that are from the Roman first century period. And so uh, he was bound and chained. And so we, we get all of these details that John Mark is giving us. So he's already isolated from his own community and he's possessed with demons. Uh, they tried to shackle him and bind him and they were not able to do that. So it... it like this guy is definitely cray cray, definitely this crazy dude. I would argue um, that he was even naked. Mark doesn't give us this detail now, but later on we'll read here that he was clothed. So I just assume that he's naked, he's cutting himself, they can't bind him, he's coming out of the tombs. And even with that, with the, the Jewish culture, like Jews, like they stay away from these different areas. And so there's just all kinds of cultural context that's happening here. All right, let's pick up in verse six. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him and he cried out with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment me for Uh, He had told him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked, Jesus asking. My name is Legion, he answered him. Let's just pause there for a second. Uh, A legion in the Roman Empire was around 5,400 troops with 120 horsemen. So when he responds with this idea of legion, I don't think he's responding with a name. I think he's responding that this is an army of demons that are inside this guy, which is crazy. Now, also in cultural context is uh, in the spiritual realm and casting out demons, uh, the tradition and the belief was if you knew the name of the demon, you were able to seize control of them. So there's this whole play on words and trying to understand uh, names and trying to have, there, there was this power control happening between Jesus and this legion of demons. And what's interesting is we'll see, I think after verse 10 is it's gonna, I'm not a grammatical type of person. Like I have to use the red lines and the squigglies when I type stuff. Anybody else that way? Like you just like, man, I stink at spelling and grammar. But what you're gonna notice and pick up on is it moves from singular to plural. Just a little tidbit there, that's pretty cool. Uh, My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us, to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission. Huh, let's just pause on that one for a second. 
Jesus had authority over the wind and the waves of the sea. So he has authority over creation. He also has authority in the spiritual realm as well. In fact, we've already read in Mark's gospel account of Jesus doing exorcism of demons. It was typically just one. Now we're seeing a legion, an army of demons, and Jesus has authority even over them. That's something to hold on to there. I would mark that or underline that in your Bible. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. All right, here's a couple of pictures of this region of Decapolis. Like, I just want you to kind of get a feel of the Sea of Galilee in this hillside. And this is a probable location of where this took place. So there's this crazy interaction with this naked dude cutting himself. He's like, they've tried to bind him, all of this. Jesus is having an interaction with demons, an army of them. And then all of a sudden there's this herd of pigs and the demons are like, hey, don't send us out, send us here. And all of a sudden, 2,000 pigs rush into the sea. Now, even in today's standards, 2,000 pigs would be worth a lot of money. This is someone's livelihood. Imagine that you're a pig farmer and all of a sudden you just had to slaughter 2,000 pigs. Like that's a tough pill to swallow. And so I can see this perspective from a few different angles and that's what I try to do is put myself in the story. If I was the pig farmer, I'd be blown away. Like that's my livelihood. That's how I provide for my family. That's how I put food in the cupboards. That's how I put a roof over my head. And now all of a sudden these 2,000 pigs are killed into, into the sea. That's just fascinating to me. Now once again, Jews considered pigs to be unclean. So the fact that this is even happening is crazy. Like they didn't eat bacon. That breaks my heart. Get the thick cut, golden, crispy bacon. Come on, I'm preaching now. Like I love bacon. It's amazing. But you know, I mean, they wanted to honor the Lord and God called bacon to be unclean. And now all of a sudden these 2,000 pigs, like I'm just trying to wrap my head around this whole scene. All right, let's continue. Where was I? Uh, Verse 14, the men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside and people went to see what had happened. So they, they went off. Now I would argue, this is my personal bent. You need to discern this. I'm not forcing my opinion. I'm just giving my educated opinion that the, the town that they went to was Hippos. Now it's, it's near the Sea of Galilee and it might be hard to see in this image, but on the top right, on top of that mountain is the city. Now here's an image from that city looking down at the Sea of Galilee. Now let's just pause for a second. Let's go back to Mark 4, uh, where Jesus, he did that whole teaching about use your light. He talked about, uh, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Matthew 
described our light like a city on a hill. And here Jesus, I would argue, is coming to a city on a hill, a Gentile city. People would have saw these lights, even candlelight, from miles and miles away. So my personal bet is that it would be this particular city up on this mountain hill, and you could see it for miles and miles away. And I'm wondering that Jesus understood the importance of this word picture, this analogy, or this parable to describe that when we're in a relationship with Jesus, people should be able to see that. We shouldn't be hiding that. We shouldn't be hiding that under a basket. We're gonna unpack that here in just a few moments. So they ran off. They went into the countryside. I'm trying to find my verse. There we are, verse 15. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So that's why I would argue that the guy was naked. I mean, this is just straight up crazy. Imagine if you saw a naked guy just out of his mind in our community. And then all of a sudden, like, and he's there on the same corner every day. He's always in the same spot. And you like avoid this area because you know this crazy guy's there. And then you hear something happened. You hear this crazy story and you come back and the guy's not the same as when you saw him the last time. Verse 16 Those who had seen it described it to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. Man, I mean, last week we talked about soil. I wonder what kind of soil the people are right here. Like the fact that they want Jesus to leave. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly, begged Jesus earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him but told him, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, this whole region, how much Jesus had done for him and they were all amazed. You know, I've got a couple of quotes here. You know, rescue and restoration of one human being is more important than even a large-scale economic catastrophe, a collapse. I hope you catch that. Like, if you're the pig farmer, you're probably freaking out. But what was more important in this picture about this one man who was gripped physically and mentally and spiritually. And maybe some of you have been gripped by stuff in your life. Maybe you've been in bondage and chains and things in your life. I know that's part of my story. You know, part of this week is like, last Saturday, one of my kids, uh, like we had to take uh, take her to the ER because she just passed out and collapsed. And I, I mean, she looked dead. And as a parent, there's nothing that can ever prepare you 
to see your child in that state. And I think even if you're not a parent, I think you can feel the weight of that, of just a child completely unconscious and looking dead. Now she's fine. In fact, she went to NTS camp. You wouldn't think anything ever happened. Uh, Yeah, definitely praise the Lord. I'm thankful for friends and family that came to our house late at night and to to love on our family. I'm thankful for the nurse uh, who's even here today that was in the ER um, and just loving on us. I, like, I'm so thankful how God provided peace in spite of the, like, the storm that was happening around us. And then later in the week, so like every time you close your eyes, you have this image in your head, so it's hard to sleep. So now this thing has happened and now it affects you physically which I would argue affects you emotionally and spiritually as well. But then I wanted to go down to camp, NTS camp, uh, which had an amazing impact on many students this week. And I went down there on Wednesday. And uh, that was the night that they gave an invitation to receive Christ or to rededicate your life. And it was incredible to see how the spirit of God was moving in that place. It was truly incredible. And so I was down there all day and I'm driving back by myself because I just wanted to go down and love on my kids. And one of them, it was their birthday. So I was just trying to be a cool dad. And uh, I don't know if I'm still a cool dad or not, but maybe someday that'll pay dividends. But I'm on my way back and I'm, uh, I'm south of Fort Wayne and all of a sudden my van just dies, like nothing. And so there wasn't a lot of traffic. So I just I veered off the side of the road and I was able to get to an exit ramp and couldn't even start the vehicle. Like it's completely dead. It's somewhere between 10 and 10.30 at night. Um, Like I don't want to call anybody, uh, like friends or whatever, even though I'm only an hour away. And uh, so I'm sitting there, I got a tow truck coming and then the sheriff department shows up just to check on me. Uh, But you know how like a police, like they wanna make sure you're not like a crazy dude. Right? Like, um, and it's like, I'm a good, safe, kind of crazy weirdo dude. Like, it's okay. Um, so like, you know, like I give them my license and stuff and they're like, well, you know, we can give you a ride to like a hotel when the tow truck comes. I was like, uh, you know, I'm good. Like I've ridden there my pre Jesus days. I didn't like it all that much. That kind of helped ease it a little bit. So... Yeah, it's cramped back there. It's uncomfortable. Like, I appreciated their offer. They were very generous. Uh, But it did give me a chance to share my faith. Like, truly, like, before I came into relationship with Jesus, I used to run away from you guys. I used to hide from you guys. I wasn't looking forward to when you guys showed up, but my heart was in a completely different place. Plus, I didn't have any warrants out for my arrest, so that makes it a lot easier too. (laughs) So I definitely had a positive interaction with these policemen. It was great. And uh, what's, I mean, completely side note, nothing to do with the message. Like I'm old enough to be one of their dads. Um, I'm not sure if he even had a whisker yet. Like, uh, but 
I, like I shared about how my life was before Jesus. I was very transparent about how I would have not good interactions with the police. I was able to praise God um, that I'm still here because I should either be in prison or dead. And by God's sovereignty and his grace and his mercy that he has lavished over my life, praise be to God that I get to be here and to share with you guys here today. And I'm thankful to be able to do that and to be able to, to share that with people that I interact with. But like, I mean, there was clear evidence with this guy that he had an interaction with Jesus. I have clear evidence that I've had an encounter with Jesus. And so I think the question is, should there be evidence of our encounters with Jesus? Like when people see you, should there be evidence of that? Or have you put a basket over your lamp? Are you not a city on a hill? You know, this guy begged Jesus to go with him. And that was my story. I was born and raised in the Sturgis area. I did everything under the sun. Good and bad. I've burned so many bridges and so many relationships in our community and the surrounding communities. And God allows me to be a part of my home church and to be a part of you guys here today. And maybe God's had an encounter with you and God wants you to go into your neighborhoods where you work, live, and play, and to have those conversations with people. Maybe God wants to use the evidence of your encounter with him. And if you're having a difficult time responding yes to that question, maybe you need to allow Holy Spirit into some depths of your heart that you need to find freedom and healing from. I have another quote here. It is a div it's divine to be willing to be disturbed that others may have more, William Barclay. I wrote this in my Bible during one of my quiet times and here's the thing, friend, like it might be a crazy naked dude full of demons and it may be something really simple. Are you willing to be disturbed so that someone else may have more? I mean, think about the disruption of the economy in this region, in this area. Think about the disruption with people's schedules and times and their calendar and all of that stuff. Are we going to be disturbed in our walk with Jesus so that way someone else can have more, have a more fulfilling life with Jesus? Worship team, you can... Make your way up. Now I want you to flip a page or two and over towards the, uh, the end of Mark chapter seven, I want us to grab one little nugget, verse 31. So Jesus, he left here because everybody's freaked out and he goes traveling. And then now we get to verse 31 in chapter seven. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of Decapolis. 
So Jesus is back in this area. Now, what's your Bible say for the heading of Mark chapter 8? Someone say it out loud. The feeding of the 4,000. I suggest to you that this feeding of the 4,000 is different than the feeding of the 5,000. This feeding of the 4,000 is in the Decapolis full of Gentiles. And I would suggest to you it's because of this demon-possessed man going around to the different cities in the countryside and he couldn't shut up about what Jesus did in his life. Here's a crazy thought, friends. What if we did that? What if we stopped putting our light under a basket and we didn't care about our workplace, we didn't care where we're at, and we just let Jesus shine to wherever we're at? I'm not saying 4,000 or people are gonna come because of your testimony, but there's clear evidence, I think, right here in this narrative. I don't know if there's gonna be any evidence of the conversation that I had with the sheriff department down in the Fort Wayne area. I have no idea. I may not ever see that on this side of eternity, but I was obedient to what the Holy Spirit was prompting me to do. I loved what you shared, Karen. I am worn, I am tired, my van breaks down, I overpay for a hotel room that smells like cigarettes. The bed is completely uncomfortable. And I'm laying down in the bed, uh, 12.30 at night, exhausted, wondering what is happening. And then Holy Spirit's like, I provided for you. He provided safety for me with the sheriffs coming. No one's gonna mess with me with two sheriffs right next to me. He provided transportation for me. He provided shelter for me. Whether it smelled like cigarettes or not, I had shelter. Even provided a Cottonelle breakfast for me the very next morning. But God provided my needs. He provided me friends and family that came and loved on me on Saturday. He provided a friend to come and pick me up and take me out to barbecue knowing that I was down. God provided, I have joy in spite of my circumstances. And you can too. And I think that's part of our testimony. That's part of our light that we shine towards other people. You don't have to have a well-crafted teaching or message. You just simply need to share what Jesus is doing in your life. Show that evidence to other people. That's all we're called to do. So out of these two stories, I relate to this guy the most. I would imagine that the community ostracized this guy. Clearly, they couldn't bind him or anything. They they excommunicated him. He has this crazy encounter with Jesus. Fast forward a few chapters... 4,000 people came to hear the good news about Jesus. I think it would be worth it if only one person came to know Jesus because of your light and your testimony. So is it worth being disrupted for one person? 
on one day. You have to wrestle with that. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use something here today to minister to us. I pray that you would use your holy word to penetrate to the depths of our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak exactly where we're at and help us to give you authority over our life. And Holy Spirit, if there's a basket over our lamp, would you point that out to us right now? Holy Spirit, we're sorry for doing that. May we live our lives to bring you honor and glory. Lord, I pray that even when we have a hard week, we would still choose to say we praise you, we thank you for who you are. May our lives reflect that praise to this world, even when it's hard. So Holy Spirit, would you minister to us here today? And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.